Anderson Cooper, thank you very much. I'm Chris Cuomo. Welcome to Primetime. If voters are going to the polls, even partly because they want us to be safer from gun violence, then this president's chances just took a hit. News tonight, the president has told the NRA background checks are off the table. We have reaction from a senator in a deep red state who's been personally lobbying, lobbying the president to help him pass life-saving gun legislation. Senator Joe Manchin is here. To be sure, the president's election fate will depend heavily on how you feel about the economy. So how good is it? How well has this president done? And what is he doing now to stave off a recession? We will test the realities of this economy with Mr. Stephen Moore. Yes, the same, the man the president picked for the Fed before withdrawing him over a storm of controversy. And if Joe Biden is going to go big on his new electability argument, do new poll numbers give him good reason? We got the data. We have the wizard of odds. What do you say? Let's get after it. The president said there was great appetite for universal background checks. Now he's saying he will starve that appetite. The Atlantic reports tonight the president told the NRA chief, Mr. Wayne LaPierre, invited on this show often, does not accept the invitation. But just hours ago, he must have been very relieved, Mr. LaPierre, to hear the president say, we won't pursue background checks. Remember, this president has been telling you something different for days. We have very, very strong background checks right now, but we have uh, sort of missing areas and areas that don't complete the whole circle. We're looking at mental institutions, which we used to have, like as an example, where I come from in New York, they closed up almost all of their mental institutions or many of them. And those people just went onto the street. Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat in the red state of West Virginia, had been working with the president, been working with him on the phone. He'd been working with his colleagues. He thought he was getting somewhere and the president was giving him reason to believe. But not now. And he joins us on primetime. How surprised are you, Senator? And thank you for being with us. Well, Chris, it's always good to be with you. And uh, uh, I'm surprised to hear that or if it's taken out of content, I don't know. We have not heard from the president or from his uh, his legislative team. We've been my staff has been working with him along with Susan Collins, Pat Toomey. Uh, we've had Chris Coons. We had um, uh, Chris Murphy. The president's reached out to everybody. It was trying to find a pathway forward. It was very encouraging. But I've said this, Mr. President, if you want to start making America safe again, you have got to have the building blocks of a background check, and especially. Our mansion to me bill that I wrote way back in 2013, it started with the premise that a law abiding gun owner, Chris, is not going to sell your gun to a stranger, someone who is mentally deranged or someone with a criminal background. We just are not taught that way. So don't you think we would at least take any commercial transaction must have a background check, any Internet sell, anything commercially where you don't know somebody. Right. uh, That's the building block. If he can't do that. They're not going to take us serious about anything. So let's get to the next level of this, why he would back off. What can Wayne LaPierre, what can the NRA tell him in a phone call that would make him push back on all of the other political pressure? 
Well, I, I don't know. I haven't talked to him in, in a week or so, and uh, I'm sure that we will be talking this week sometime. But the last time I talked to the president, I said, Mr. President, uh, I'm a life member of the NRA, a lifetime member. Okay, and when I joined and the purpose of, of the NRA was to teach the safety of guns, make sure the culture was preserved and protected. That's what we were all about. They've gone a complete different direction. I said, Mr. President, the bump stocks, we knew that automatic weapons are illegal. If you have a device that makes it semi-automatic, fully automatic, and the massacre that we saw in Las Vegas, don't you think that ought to be illegal? The NRA wasn't even in favor of that. And I can assure you, most every member of the NRA made, said that makes sense. But the president, the president did went it. ahead and did it anyway. Yeah, the president did it he there did it. effectively. But this has happened before, yeah. Senator, where the president has said he wanted to move on background checks. Then he talked to the NRA and he came yeah. out singing a very different right. tune. We thought this time would be different after what he said after El Paso. How big a deal is this in the election? Or do you think, once again, this is about people talking about what they want, but not voting on what they want? I would think that, I mean, there is so much concern on both sides, Democrats and Republicans. I said, Mr. President, you can't blast with a cake of dynamite your, your base. They're not leaving. So they didn't leave you on bump stocks. They're not going to leave you on common sense background checks to stop commercial transactions. That's the building block. There's so many other things that can be done, too. And there's Democrats and Republicans working with your staff. But Republicans aren't really You've working got on it, right? Isn't it true that while you had, I think you got up to like 85 as a headcount on the Senate side, that all of the Republican report was completely dependent on the president moving on the issue? So they're not this really is all about doing the president, anything. Chris. Hmm. This is really about if the president doesn't step forward and give cover to the Republicans in the Senate, they're not going to vote, period. And that's a shame. We should go on the record and say, listen, we want gu common gun sense. And you start with a background check that says, if you don't know the person at a gun show, every gun show should have a background check. You shouldn't be able to go into parking lot and have transactions when you don't know people. You shouldn't be able to go on the Internet. This is common gun sense that we from gun culture states agree with and understand. Well, then why do they keep... And he's not going to be harmed by... But why do they keep getting know, the better Chris. of you? Because isn't the NRA not even what they were anymore? I've not never getting, bought into... getting the better of me. I've never even... I've never bought into the idea that they buy their way to superiority. They don't give more than a lot of other lobbying groups. It's about their ability to organize. But they keep taking hits in-house. Even recently, uh, the organization has become yeah. weaker. How do they still have this pull over someone like the president of the United States? I, I really don't know. I can't speak for that. I know that they, uh, you know, I've had the support over many, many years with NRA. And when I did what I thought, and I still believe, and I have not wavered a bit, I believe that background checks is a building block, commercial transactions. I don't know that person. I'm not going to sell him my gun, and nor should anyone else be allowed So why to. not pick up the phone so, and call Wayne LaPierre and say, listen, I'm a lifetime member. You know me. I've dealt with you guys. What are you telling the president? Why won't you work with me on this? You guys got to give at some point. You're dying. Your group is dying. I think I, I truly believe that they are owned lock, stock, and barrel, pardon the pun, by the manufacturers. Not by the membership. That's the problem, Chris. Mm. Senator Manchin, I hope that at some point in the future, <laughs> I hope somebody's wrong. I don't want the Atlantic to be wrong. I don't want any outlet uh, to report falsely. But hopefully the president understands that this matters to America and it's going to matter to him in the election. This could hurt him if but, people follow through on their intentions. Well, Chris, if he's talking about universal background checks saying that it prevents families 
and all different transactions from law-abiding gun owners. I understand. I'm okay. I'm, I, I don't think we need to go there right now. I think if we can't even get the building block of where we can stop a commercial transaction where right. you and I don't know that Nobody's person. talking about family transfers. Even, They're talking about gun safety, know how to store your weapons, and have a penalty if you let absolutely. people get it, access when they shouldn't have it. And the commercial transactions, we all know what we're talking about. There's no mystery to this issue anymore. The only mystery is why something doesn't happen. Right. But Senator Manchin, I appreciate your doggedness on it. Uh, it's going to matter in your race. It's going to no, matter in change. other I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to change. I am who I am, Chris. Common sense to me is common sense in West Virginia. Gun sense is gun sense in West Virginia, and I hope around the country. Senator Manchin, I hope you have better news for me in the not-too-distant future. Be well. I hope so. I'll call you, Chris. Look, it's got to factor in to the election. Everything does at this point now. So if you move from guns, the big-ticket item for this president is going to be what? The economy. A possible recession is a reality. It's not a given, but certainly he's worried about it. And we're starting to see on the Democratic side, the front runners are gaining more ground around this issue. Joe Biden is telling voters, I'm the one who can beat Trump. I can do it on the economy. Now, here's the question. We go from the right to the left. What is the math on that side of the ball? What do the new polls tell us? Guess who's here? The Wizard of Odds is going to take a deep dive into the new numbers. What is the state of play in this race? It's changed. We'll find out how next. All right. A new CNN poll gives us new perspective. Former VP Joe Biden regains a double digit lead in the 2020 Democratic field. But why winds up being the story? Age. All right. Let's bring in the Wizard of Odds to break down the numbers. This is what we had been waiting for. How will it shake up? You see a real two tier system here. If you want to go electability, it's Biden. If you want to go ideology, you now have Warren and Sanders as the two-headed animal on that side. Yeah, I mean, you know, you're hitting on just basically what are the key parts of this poll. So let's talk about age first. You know, basically, I broke our results down. Those voters, Democrats under 50, those Democrats 50 and older. Among those under 50, look at this. You basically have a a tie for first place between Biden at 21%. Sanders is actually slightly ahead at 22%. But take a look at those age 50 and older. Look at this. Biden blowing out the field. 37%, 25 points ahead of Warren. Sanders all the way back at just 7% of the vote. Mm. And this is a little bit of light on my thing. This is the way I see it at this point. It's it's a bifurcated choice. You're either for this because you believe he wins or these guys are splitting the pie, right? And you see that together they're going to beat him with younger uh, voters. But that makes sense because the younger voter is a little bit more ambitious in terms of ideology, less on the practicality side. But when you get older and as you move down the spectrum of very liberal to centrist Democrat to independent to conservative, he wins more and more. Why? Well, I, you know, I think just to point out, your inclination was exactly right. Among those under the age of 50, shares your positions on the issues. That's the majority's mm-hmm. decision versus those age 50 and older. Look at this blowout. 67% say a strong chance of beating Trump is more important versus 24% who shares your, uh, shares your position on the issue. It's got to be explained, the polls, because Biden hasn't been killing them in the debate. No. He hasn't had an amazing messaging campaign. He hasn't had big resonant moments. No. And yet he stays up and grows. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's exactly it. So, in fact, if you were to break down our poll, where essentially we said, OK, 
If you believe that it's more important to beat Donald Trump, look at this. Joe Biden crushing it again, 35 percent. Sanders and Warren basically tied 14 and 15 percent in second place. If it was about sharing your positions on the issues, look at this. You basically have a tie for first place, a statistical tie. Joe Biden at 22 percent, 18 percent for Sanders. And that is the key issue. And that is why, you know, you saw the first ad from Joe Biden in the state of Iowa saying, look, I'm the guy who can beat Donald Trump. Therefore, you should vote for me. That's the same message that Joe Biden put out, perhaps not not so articulately earlier today in New Hampshire, was basically, look, you may not love my husband on the issues, but we got to beat Donald Trump. That's the most important thing. And that right now is the reason that Joe Biden is leading in the Democratic primary. Two things that aren't be sp- being spoken about. I mean, look, Biden's getting the attention from this poll, and it makes sense. However, these guys can't be friends anymore. That's got to end. I mean, I don't wish acrimony on any situation, but you keep seeing it time and time again. They're splitting the pie. There can only be one survivor. And and that, to me, was such an interesting thing in the last debate, right? It was basically when Sanders and Warren were on the same stage, what you saw was they were very friendly. It was basically they were the liberals and hang on to each other tight. And the moderates and the conservatives went after him. Look, the fact is, if you're going to beat Joe Biden, you're going to have to coalesce that very liberal lane. And right now it's being split between Sanders and Warren. And that allows Joe Biden to lead the Democratic primary easily with just 30 percent of the vote. And then we're going to be giving you a little tease. Harry and I are going to do a deep dive tomorrow on the part of the poll that you're not hearing about. What? What happened to Kamala Harris? Who goes from 14 to 5 without like 17 to 5, 17 to 5 in some polls without some seminal event that shakes everybody's core and understanding? What does it mean? What does it mean about those who are stuck in the bottom? Who's going to drop out no matter whether they make it to the debate stage? You're now seeing viability in a whole new way. We'll take you through it. Wiz, always a pleasure. Nice pleasure. my friend. Nice shirt. So thank you. Did the president really just insult America's Jewish voters as dumb or disloyal if they vote for Democrats. We get that he's doing us versus them, but is there any group that is immune from being put in a silo and not going to Denmark because they won't sell you Greenland? What is up? Debate it. A message to my mishpucha, my Jewish brothers and sisters, directly from the president. You know, the one who once said, only you can count his money. Where has the Democratic Party gone? Where have they gone where they're defending these two people over the state of Israel? And I think any Jewish people that vote for a Democrat, uh, I think it shows either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. Is no group immune from being put into a box by this president, let alone insulted with an election looming? Is this a helpful move? The start of tonight's great debate, Karen Finney and David Urban. My brother, help me understand the wisdom of this, of saying, you Jews, you're either ignorant or disloyal. So, so Chris, look, I think the president's asking the question that, that Washington Post and this network and many others have asked. Will, will divisions in the Democratic Party about BDS, about sanctioning Israel and support for Representative Omar, who's called... Um, you know, Hamas, who's equated Hamas, a terrorist group with the Boston Tea Party, who's who's equated, you know, Israel with Nazi Germany. Um, I think that the president's trying to, you know, highlight that there's a big fractious difference in the party. And, and look, will it divide? I think he's trying to highlight it. And it's a question that's been fairly asked. Well, which is it? Are the Jews dumb or disloyal? Oh, Chris, look, I obviously don't think agree with the framing of it, right? Well, I mean, no, it's but not, see, doesn't the framing have to matter at some point, Dave? Doesn't it have to matter at some point? So, Chris, are you, 
Chris, are you saying that, are you saying he's he's uh, anti-Semitic? Is that the that because that, that's what no, I've heard today? No, I'm not going to give you an about. easy out. Are you I'm going to ask yeah. you to comment that's on how easy he put out, it, Chris. Sure, of course it is. You're yeah, trying Chris, look, you're, would, you're trying I, to make Chris, him a victim of his own I, words. It doesn't work like that. Uh, no, it does. Sure, it does, Chris. You it you does? Have you have you never said things you regret? <laughs> I say it all the time. <laughs> but you know what I do, Dave? Well, yeah, exactly. Listen, listen so, to this idea. Yeah. Listen to what I do. I own it. And I apologize. Okay. And I say, you well, know what? Well, I shouldn't well, have said well, it know, that way. Chris, I shouldn't have put well, Jews well, in a bucket as dumb or disloyal. I, listen, I don't agree with it. Obviously, I don't oh, agree you don't. with Jews That's nice to hear disloyal. That. Because you didn't start I, no, with that. Of co- of, oh, come on. Chris, come on. Really? Don't go there, buddy. You said the come framing. Well, you, you, don't, you go there. You buy the no, T-shirt. No, Chris, you asked me to come and join you for dinner come, in the on, same spot. But now it's not nice. Come on. Come on, Chris. You should apologize for even going there. I'm not calling you anything ugly. I'm saying call him Thank out you. when he says stuff Thank that you. you don't agree with, I Dave. I did. Because when you give him Chris, cover for Look, it, I don't, it I, makes Chris, it okay. No, I'm not giving him cover. Chris, I'm not giving him cover. I'm not giving him cover. But you, to you, insi- for you to insinuate and for others to insinuate that this president is somehow anti-Semitic. No, no, no. I'm not saying it. it and I'm not insinuating it. And it's an unfair but assertion, Chris, but, but I forgive Chris, you because I love are. you. Let me no, bring in others, Finney. No, Chris, others are. <laughs> are but Finney's I'm not, but not me. On this it. show, you deal with me and this ugly face. Let other shows uh, take care of themselves. Okay, Karen, well, Karen, Karen's here's the point. do it right now. Listen, just here's, listen. Yeah, here's the point. Every group gets put in an us and them. Every group gets defined by its weaknesses. The Jews now of all the groups, I know he said only they can count as money, but now they are either dumb or disloyal if they vote Democrat winning strategy. How do you feel about that? Is that going to take you down? No. And I'll tell you something, Chris. The thing is, that comment was actually had nothing to do with him communicating with the Jewish community, because the truth is 70 percent of them voted for Hillary Clinton. Seventy five percent of American Jews voted for Democrats in 2018. Seventy three percent of American Jews feel less safe under this president because of him playing footsie, not even footsie anymore, with white nationalists, because American Jews understand what the danger of othering. You're seeing how they're being hunted by the white That's supremacists, right. I guess we they'd just, be sensitive to it. And we just had two uh, incidents that were thwarted, one in Vegas, one in Ohio. So absolutely. And also, I mean, it shows Trump really, so, he's, he's so ignorant of the real history here, right? White nationalists and that movement was part of creating that mythology that you referenced about Jews pulling the strings and controlling everything. And they also, it's anti-Semitic. I mean, you heard him in Charlottesville. Jews will not replace Karen. us. I'm saying white nationalists are anti-Semitic, David. Right. Do you disagree with me on that? Come on. Karen, absolutely. No, 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 absolutely. Look, those, let me finish. You've listen, talked for a long time, David. David, you bluster with your talking points for a long time. Let me finish. So my point is, I think that Fair. Trump's comments were more geared towards evangelicals in this country, the right in this country, not towards Jewish Americans, Mm. because the majority of American Jews don't support this president, have said they won't support this president, and in fact, have called on him to be more vocal, more full-throated in calling out white nationalists. And I think they would like to see the same kind of energy that he has put into attacking these four women into calling out white nationalism and anti-Semitism. so, which he has not done. And we haven't seen it, although he believes Antifa, which for some reason they want to equate righty hate and lefty hate when it's just all hate. Why pick one group or the other? It, it tacitly shows ownership of what, Chris, of what you're defending. I, Chris, I just don't Chris, get it. I agree with you. But, and but I know you do. And by the way, just Chris, so everybody's very clear about something. Um, you know, Dave, I love you. I love having you on the show. I would never ascribe any animus to you or any bigotry. You know that. Um, for the sake of argument, though, this is about divisiveness. Even this Denmark thing. What a stupid situation. You're not going to go to Denmark because they won't sell you Greenland when they never offered to sell you Greenland. 
What is going on with this? Is it just pick a fight at any price? No, no, let's just go back to the point where where Karen's talking about, like, imagined all this stuff. Karen, imagine Democratic Party where you have members, right, members of the Congress who call for sanctioning Israel and liken it to Nazi Germany. I mean, that's what this president is trying to point out here. Perhaps inartfully, but that's what they're doing. I'm not going to let you traffic in misstatements because the truth is one of the things about Ilhan Omar to what that I appreciate is she made some comments that a lot of people disagreed with. Guess what? People talked to her about it. She apologized publicly, went and talked to, she's talked to a range of Jewish groups to better understand something she admitted she didn't fully understand, like the Benjamins comment that why that was so, why that was such a trope. You've never heard this president she, apologize for one single evil thing he has said. In this, and, by, and by the way, Chris, to answer your question, Karen. I think Greenland, he expected, I suspect, Greenland to bow down to his wishes the same way that no. Bibi did last week with Chris, a tweet. Hey, 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 Karen. Right, I'll give you the last you word, the story, Dave. This, this, yeah, so Chris, the seminal story that started this whole thing is written by the Wall Street Journal. If you read the article closely, it said, uh, sources inside the White House said the president jokingly jokingly talked about but buying Why isn't he going and to Denmark? And why thing. did he just tweet go, go, that now back, that the head of Denmark said that? Hold on, hold on, David. David, why did he just tweet, hey, thanks for clearing up, head of Denmark, <laughs> that you don't want to send me, sell me Greenland. Now I don't have to come here. Where's the joke? The tweets are going to kill you, my friend. They're just going to kill you. I can't answer that one, Chris. I don't know. I don't know that. Well, well, welcome to my world, brother. Welcome to my world. Karen Finney, David Urban, I always appreciate the argues on both sides. I mean it. I love having you. Good being Please here, come again. Thanks, Chris. Great All to right. be with you. Listen, this is the world, my brothers and sisters. Let's unpack it together. The president likes to divide. He's doing that with Jewish voters. He's trying to get them to carve off from the Democrats. So what is his biggest election play? It's got to be the economy. All right. Now, the idea that it could be fragile, that it may not be as good as he says, that he may have to juice it and we may be running out of tools to do so. What is his best case to you that this economy should carry him home for four more years? His former Fed pick, Mr. Stephen Moore, is here to make the case. Next. Look, every big election is about the economy when you don't have a foreign war or something going on. So certainly we have to believe that the economy will loom large, especially for this president. So let's talk about the state of play. We are far from a recess- recession, he says. That's not what a lot of economists say. And also, let's look at what he's doing. If we are far from a recession, if we are on fire as an economy, why bang on the Fed to lower rates? I'm not saying that he's wrong to criticize the Fed for having raised them too quickly, but why bang on them as a fix if you're on fire? Why talk about cutting payroll taxes? Why, if you're on fire? Fantastically, he says, the economy is doing. Is that the reality? The best economy ever, he says. Is that the reality? Some facts. Let's look at it in context, okay? The Washington Post laid it out pretty well. You can go Google it if you want to get it more in depth. When it comes to job growth, although the Trump economy has certainly seen gains, it hasn't topped the number of jobs added during the Obama era in 2014 and 15. Unemployment dropping. No reason to question it. But it is a continuing trend. It began again under Obama in the most recent cycle, 2011. GDP, gross domestic product. Good indicator of how you're doing in-house. I want you to take a look at where Trump lands among presidential brethren, right? Because he says it's the strongest economy in history. 
And I know what I'm going to hear from Brother Moore in a second, that that's just hyperbole. But your words matter, especially especially around election time. And if you look at those bar graphs, do me a favor, Ellie, put it up again. It's better than my face. Certainly more informative. Look where he is. Now, you could say, well, he hasn't finished yet. Yeah, I know. But these could be the salad days for him in the economy. He's going to be loving this number three years from now. So what say the man who co-wrote the book on Trumponomics? Let's bring in the president's one-time Fed pick, Mr. Stephen Moore. It's good to see you back on Prime Time. Thank you. Thank you. One quick step sideways, just to help me understand. You know the president's head. Where is this step forward? We were joking about Greenland before we started the segment. I don't understand the fight on it. And I know that you don't do foreign policy, but you know him and you know how he thinks. I want to buy Greenland. Denmark never offered him Greenland. Okay, but now he's supposed to visit with Denmark. He says, I'm not going. And he tweets, if you're not selling me Greenland, I'm not coming. As if, you know, he's somehow been jilted by them, but there was never any offer as far as we understand. Well, I think he felt a little bit dissed by the, by the Denmark government. Uh, I actually kind of, by the way, I, I, you know, we do joke about it, but I thought it was actually quite an interesting idea of, of buying Greenland. It's a very re- resource-rich and strategic area of the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people did laugh, uh, you know, with Seward's folly when we bought Alaska. That turned out to be, uh, you know, a great deal for the United States. Uh, look, there was I don't, I don't like it when Trump on Alaska. Yeah. He's right. making all this up. It seems like he's manufacturing a fight. Why? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, he, he does. It he's, a counter, he's a New Yorker like you are. He's a counterpuncher. He's a counterpuncher. We both know. You can't blame being from New York for being the way <laughs> right. he is. Don't count me and him as if all New Yorkers are like this. Most of them are much better than both of us. I just I think it feeds into the economy discussion. Okay. And here's how it is about fights and false expectations. Mm-hmm. There was no Greenland deal. There is no greatest economy ever. You know, these things. You're an economist. He's doing well. He's not doing better than we've ever seen before. And you guys got the benefit of juicing the economy with this tax. Well, let, Fair let point. Say, let me see this. You know, I think it's a pretty darn good economy. Uh, you cited a bunch of statistics there, but I'll cite a few. I'm not I mean, saying it's not have, a good economy. Look, I'm saying the, it's not the best. I, I, it's a pretty darn good one. I mean, we have the lowest unemployment rate in 50 years. Yes. That's a pretty, and for blacks and for Hispanics and for women. We have the As lowest. As part of a continuing trend. Rates. Okay, still. You know, we have the lowest interest rates in 50 years. We have the lowest inflation rate in 50 years. We have the biggest wage gains in 20 years. The, I'll, I'll cite one statistic that I think is encapsulate what Trump has done in the economy. 7.5 million. You know what that number is? That's the number of surplus jobs we have in America today. Right. We've never had anything like that, Chris. Never before in American history. I don't history. like that number, that, by the way. Why? I'll tell you why. Because it means that you're not training up your labor. Well, it means I, look, that you're not I agree working with you enough to do well, we need to get, Let's you unpack the point. We you need to jo- get the workers ready for no, those but jobs. I'm, but, I, but you guys aren't doing that. Well, and what we, I'm saying is you promised all these people who have real fears of being forsaken, mm-hmm. real desperation, you were going to be their savior. Yeah. That's what he promised them. U.S. Steel is pulling jobs out. Uh, <clears throat> they're, they're coming at him in the heartland. He's not bringing back coal. Wait a minute. Manufacturing wait, wait, wait. is waning because okay. you know that you take gave you them false promise. Okay. Please, that's I why I have you I just looked at here. the numbers. So since Donald Trump was elected, mm-hmm. we have created 1.35 million manufacturing, mining, and construction jobs. 1.35 million? We were losing jobs in a lot of right. those areas. And, we are now, and, that's and, ma- the, and the growth rate has now dropped now, since look, then. It is true manufacturing, it it. manufacturing has dropped off. Construction, my God, Chris, I spend two or three days a week on the road in this country, everywhere from Portland, Oregon to Portland, Maine. And here, even here in Manhattan, just look out the window. All you see is construction towers. We're, we're building things again in America. I mean, it's amazing. And I, I got to tell you, every single employer I talk to, from the West Coast to the East Coast, not everyone, but with, with, with few, few exceptions, right. I ask them, what's your biggest problem? You know what it is? 
finding workers. That's right. Finding That's a good problem for a country to have when well, you have more jobs than people. Yeah, no. Why do you think all the people are lined up at the border to come into this country well, right now? Which way do you want to have it? I are, they, to, are they the brown menace that you need to chase no, away because they're I'm rapists not, and murderers? Or do you they think have they're to come good workers for the economy? I'm with Trump. They have to but come But he said illegally. they're rapists and murderers and no, drug no, dealers. No, 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 I don't want to get into that. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Of course you don't want to get into it. But you must own it. What I'm saying is you a lot about how strong this economy is that you have so thousands and thousands but how of people are you every night trying to get into this When country. you're demonizing the people who are trying to come well, here Well, I don't like jobs. doing that. I don't like demonizing them. Look, but they have to come in legally. That's, that's I think, the consensus. But country. he's not trying to come up with a program. Yes, he is. I helped write an economic... I helped write an economic... He's going to pass a rule a, a, to hold migrant families no, 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 all no, no, together. No, no. Yes, 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 First yes, all, yes. He just announced he has it. a legal immigration reform uh, proposal that I worked with Jared uh, on, Jared Kushner that would, would allow more people to come into the country. They would have skills. They would talent. They would fill the jobs that are necessary. High skilled workers. That's, that's not your worker surplus that you're dealing with. Yes, that's it's those the are people the jobs. like my grandparents who came here that now you're saying aren't good enough for this place. No, I'm not they saying that. They don't stand on their that. own two feet. I, actually, I would say anyone way. who wants to come in this country and work, not go on welfare, but work and contribute, I think you you know, just, I'm all for you, that. But they I just announced a rule where if you can't pay your way in, if you're really in a bad way, we don't want you. No, I'm, That was no, what I'm the not. whole kerfluffle was last week when we weren't talking about me. Are you talking about with respect to getting welfare benefits? Right. Well, no. What Cuccinelli was talking about is that yeah, you've got to be totally able to pay your way in. That. I want people to come into this country because they want a job, not a welfare check. What's yeah. wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with it, but you wind up catching the same people who need opportunity. They don't have the money to pay their way in. Look, They're coming here to get the money. Your That's what America always people was. People historically have come into this country and they didn't have welfare programs. They didn't go on food stamps. I mean, this idea they that people can come in and get welfare. welfare. I'm totally against Let's that. Get, and I'm totally pro-immigration, but no welfare well, you're pro-immigration yes, if you don't I want am. people to come I don't want in a people hard way to, to take become these a public charge. Jobs. I want them to come and work and, and share our freedoms and build but a better don't, life for themselves. Then don't call and them rapists and murderers. Well, okay, I didn't like that statement by Trump. Well, you okay. should say that as much as the other stuff. On the economy, here's the concern. If the economy's doing well, yep. why are you wasting the tools that you have in the bag just for the purposes of the election? What do I mean for you at home? Yeah. The tax cut juiced the economy, yeah. all right? Yeah. You didn't pay for it. It was fiscally not mm-hmm. conservative behavior. You got a ballooning deficit. Now you want a payroll tax, which is not only going to take money away from Medicaid and Medicare, which is going to cause cuts and things that he said he wouldn't cut, but it's going to be juicing an economy at a time you say you don't need it. I'm not saying you're wrong about Powell and the Fed and how they cut rates. I'm one of the few people who argues that the president, as you know, I've been saying that I get why he's chasing him. But that's about monetary policy. But if you're killing it, why do you care? And most importantly, if you keep cutting rates, if you have another tax cut, you have no tools in the bag um, for when recession up. does come and it is cyclical. It will happen. Why do it? Because, number one, on the, on the Fed, you and I are in agreement. The Fed has been way too tight. It sucks a lot of the economy. Right now. We do need it. Why? I, mean, look, I thought you were on fire. I thought it was the best ever. The economy is doing very well. Because so then why do you need look, it? Okay, let me be very clear on this. Yes. We were growing at 3 3.5% last year. The Fed started raising rates. It took some, and, and now we're growing at 2%. Now, why is that happening? Why have we seen a, a slowdown? Well, two reasons. One is the Fed is too tight, but the other is the China trade war. I mean, look, I support what Trump is doing on China. I, I think we ha- we're, st- we're standing up to a menace. I think China is a bad actor. I think the communists have taken over there, but it, it's causing pain. There's no question about it. It is but hurting that's on American him. Economy. It's not on it the economy. On and but now the, you want to play with this, one Chris. of the tools on the economy? What do you want him to do? What, you want to just back down to China? No, but that's what diplomacy is. That's yeah. what deal making well, is. Well, I, I don't want him to lay it off on farmers. Who are well, crying themselves to sleep trying to figure I out when the pain American will people end. people are behind Trump on China. I think people realize they're cheating, they're stealing, they're, uh, you know, well, involved in technology. That, but the technology strategy transfer. isn't hurting them the way it hurts us. They have so many more tools. They have a state-managed economy, China. Yeah. How is that an advantage? 
Because they can do whatever they <laughs> no, want, and well, their people won't be outraged the way they are here. And I believe it. that Trump is going to get a trade deal with China. I really do. You better I think, hope so, because the, the street already has it priced into the market. And by the way, no, it doesn't. And oh, by the yes, way, when, no, here's what I'll tell you. I'll say it first on your TV show. If we get a trade deal, and I think it's going to happen in the next three, four, five months, you're going to see the Dow go to 30,000. You're going to see a boom in the economy. Trump is going to get reelected. Now, he's, he's really he doesn't need a tax cut and he doesn't have to mess with the well, rates. I'm what the, happens I'm when there's a recession look, if you have no tools? That? What's wrong with giving middle class people a tax cut? Nothing. You should have done it the last time. Well, we, we, we helped businesses. 83 cents out of every the first dollar tax went to cut me, not the middle businesses class. so they could hire more workers and wages could go up. Didn't. That's happened. And now, they this didn't. tax cut they will paid, be for workers. They paid a record sum to buy back their own stock and you know it. Look at the Wall Street Journal just two weeks ago. Wages were up in 2000. What did corporations do with most of the tax revenue? Most of the forgiven tax revenue, if you'll allow the phrase, what did they do with it? Did they pass it on to workers or did they buy back stock? They, why do you think wages are up? Why, why do you think what consumers are spending, Chris? What is, what what's driving the economy more? right now, Chris? Consumers are spending. Why are they Steven, spending? What because did they, they have fatter wallets. They have they more money in their paycheck. more of the money buying back the stock, true or false? Some, some businesses did. Yeah, true or no false? About it. Big that, businesses that, that money recirculates more in the stock economy. than they did pass what's it on to labor. What's wrong with that? So that recirculates. It helps shareholders. It helps businesses. A lot of that money goes into new businesses. It helps shareholders. It helps bottom line. I know they redefined what a corporation is now, right. that it's not about just serving its you shareholders stock? anymore. I own stock. I half of Americans own stock. It's been good for their four. Yeah, only half. Plans. I worry about the other half. Well, I'd love to be 100%. You, know, you took Americans care of us. Invested. If it's a middle class tax cut, that would be great. Look, I'll, 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 I'll tell you this, Chris. Last word. Okay, my last word. If the economy stays as strong as it is today mm-hmm. over the next year and a half, Trump is going to win a big re-election. If, he, if the economy goes south on him, I agree with you. He's got big problems. He has really staked his presidency on this economy. And so he's got to get this trade deal done. He's got to, you know, uh, continue to juice the economy so that we have. No, you don't. Ju- if, a, if economy is strong, you don't juice it. You save it. It can always go faster. It, it can always go faster. Stephen Moore, appreciate Thanks, the argument. Thanks for having Good me. to have you here. Good Thank you very much. All right. How about a D-Lemon discussion? And what a topic. I think this Denmark trip matters, and I'll tell you why. I don't care about whether he's going to buy Greenland or not. Why do you start fights for no good reason as the leader of the free world? What does D-Lemon have to say about that? Find out next. So this actually just happened. In real life, the president of the United States has canceled his meeting with the prime minister of Denmark because she's not interested in talking about selling him Greenland, which he somehow seems to say is her backing off an earlier offer, which she never made. Can't make it up. Let's bring in D. Lemon. (laughs) We could make it up, but we won't. We don't have to. It writes itself. I mean, look, the the ambassador to Denmark had just said just before he tweeted this. Yeah, we're all ready for the trip. This will be great. This is our first meeting. And then he calls it off and tries to start another gratuitous fight. Well, I think it's, as everyone, I think it's figured out. You can see right through it, right? It's a distraction. Um, you know, Truman talked about it. it was, it's been bandied about about buying Greenland, but nothing ever seriously happened. But one would have to, to ask, all you have to ask is why at this moment? Why would anyone at this moment, you know, a, a president of the United States even consider or have that be a news topic? There's no other reason than it being a distraction. I think the, the insulting part is they're, they're a NATO ally. And um, I don't think you should use a NATO ally as a distraction for the American people to distract people from the economy and all the other, you know, unusual, shall we say, things that he's doing. It was interesting to hear Stephen Moore say, well, I think he felt dissed 
He felt dissed. He's doing the dissing. What do you have on the show tonight? You going to delve into this? It's, I'm going to delve into that. You know what? It is the first question, and you wait till you hear his answer. The first question that I ask to Senator and presidential candidate Cory Booker. Mm-hmm. Intriguing. And you know what else I'm going to delve into? What? The New York Times did a thing on the candidates' playlist. It's amazing. You got to watch that. If you. It tells you a lot about a person, what they have on their playlist, which I learned even more about you this weekend after listening to your playlist over and over and over. Arrested Development have any? Did you ever heard that term? I like any band where the the guys uh, wear their clothes backwards. Uh, Criss Cross was my band. I'll talk to you later. They make you jump, jump. (laughs) Well done. All right. Here's a question for you. Do you ever wonder what keeps this president up at night? He gave us an answer today, and I believe his answer is as true as anything he's told you, and it means something special. Next. I argue this. The president told us a very important truth today. Listen. Is that something that keeps you up at night? Well, nothing keeps me up at night. Now, he was answering a question about China's military strength, but that answer is comprehensive. Just for contrast. What is your biggest fear? Well, uh, there are a lot of things that keep me up at night. I already hear the Trump folks saying Obama was weak. A strong man sleeps easy. But that defies reason and history. Military and political leaders have written many a tome about coping with the obvious and extant pressures that inhabit, if not haunt, nightly slumber for a leader. Because a leader feels the pain of those they leave. It is a burden they shoulder. And it is that empathy, that feeling what others are feeling, that motivates their response. Literature abounds with references to the same. Most notably, quote, uneasy lies the head that wears a crown. It's Shakespeare, right? And though, like his Henry IV, this president, who often postures as a demagogic uh, autocrat, if not a king, frets openly about constant attacks. He also had an eldest son, Hal, who kept poor company with a lousy lot. This president, however, seems not to worry at night as Henry did. And the point is, presidents should have a lot of heavy burdens that weigh on them and, yes, keep them up at night, waiting for that 3 a.m. call, the need that they can't satisfy, the pain that they must work tirelessly to address. Look at how different. Here's a great, great example of this. Look at presidents when they come in and when they leave. I mean, come on, look at Clinton's hair. Went white, George W. Bush looks like he got a beat down. Obama looks like his own grandfather. I mean, look at it. I mean, this is a very hard job because of the stress that they carry with them. Now, let's look at this president. It's been almost three years since Trump won the presidency. Looks exactly the same. I mean, his hair is like, you know, I don't know what's going on with that. But he may do things that presidents in the past haven't done to augment their physical reality. uh, But it could also be that he doesn't care the way others have. He seems content to vent and foment problems. Look at Denmark. Look at the situation. He's just making up out of nowhere, discord for no reason. He doesn't deal with the trying business of compromise. He has no real deals going with Congress right now. Think about that with all the problems we have. He certainly doesn't sweat building unity. He chases the easy slumber of blaming others and sowing the seeds of discord and division. The farmers who toss and turn, wondering when these tariffs will end. Those cast into the bucket of others, thems, worrying at night about their place and their kids' futures. 
Surely there are people all across this country who've had bad dreams about where we're headed and whether we're going to have five more years like this. Now, while I wish poor sleep on no man, maybe this president could use a sleepless night or two. Less executive time, fewer hours in front of the TV and on the golf course. Maybe he should focus on fixing things, carrying that burden, because that's the job and it should get hard. Messing with Iran, big talk about China, that's easy. Getting a deal, not so easy. And if policy doesn't haunt his sleep, certainly the problems for people should, no? Imagine sleeping at night or sleeping easily, nothing keeping you up, when people are dying when they shouldn't. Concerts, movies, churches, synagogues, malls, high schools, hundreds of innocents murdered in mass shootings on your watch. I'm not arguing that he's to blame. The murderers, the murderers bear that burden. But imagine being him and having the power to do something about it and doing nothing. How would you sleep? Kids in cages at your command, calling for raids that leave families crying in the streets. Can you imagine dealing with that and sleeping easy? Now, if not them, then surely someone like private first class, Brandon Kreischer, or specialist Michael Nance, they have to be worth lost sleep. Paratroopers dying in combat in Afghanistan less than a month ago. His president is only visited once, but shouldn't that visit his sleep every night? Shouldn't he process that pain and lose sleep? Isn't that what the job is about? Doesn't he see their faces? Can you imagine all of this on your shoulders? And not needing a bottle of Ambien to just take a nap. How about this? Care more. Mr. President, you may sleep less, but the rest of this country may rest a little easier. Thank you for watching tonight. CNN Tonight with D. Lemon starts right now. Quality sleep is essential. And that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.